podcast for Monday, July 25th. We begin with a look at the Pope's visit to the province, which began Sunday with his arrival in Edmonton. We speak with Global News Edmonton reporter Eileen Bell for details on the Pope's agenda over the coming days. Firefighters worked hard over the weekend to get control of the fire raging outside of Nordegg. We get an update on the current wildfire situation in the province of Alberta from Wildfire Information Officer Travis Fairweather. Next, could a breakthrough in the battle against cancer be just around the corner? We discuss the details of a promising new drug trial from Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. And finally, it's another edition of Motivational Monday, a chance to get you motivated today and beyond. This time out, we speak with Lou Diamond, professional speaker, podcaster, and author of the new book, Speak Easy, Connect with Every Conversation. Pope Francis touched down in Edmonton yesterday with details on how the pontiff spent the first day in the provincial capital. We're joined this morning by Global News Edmonton anchor Eileen Bell. Good morning to you, Eileen. Thanks for being with us. My pleasure. Can you break down how the Pope spent his first day yesterday in Canada? Once he got through uh, the ceremony here, he spent it fairly quietly. Um, He had had a 10-hour and 20-minute plane ride from Rome to Edmonton direct on a special Alitalia flight that's uh, an um, A330. It's a wide-bodied craft that not only carrying the Pope, but uh, carrying about 75 international media and about 35 Vatican officials. And when they got to the Edmonton International Airport, they came uh, by a special hangar, and it was kind of cool. The plane had um, the Canadian and the Vatican flags on it, and they obviously didn't put them on in flight, so they must have flown across the the ocean that way. But um, when the Pope uh, landed, he is uh, at 85 and... uh, for in poor health and with with bad news, he is in a wheelchair now and will most likely only be seen in either his wheelchair or a, a Pope mobile, which will be making its uh, debut today. Um, he uh, was air, uh, what they call an ambulifted um, from the plane down to the ground, put in a car there, and then uh, driven over um, to the hangar and came in in his wheelchair. And it was kind of interesting because when we got there, there were three very ornate chairs at the front of the room, and about 10 minutes before the Pope arrived, they took the middle one away, thinking he'd be in his wheelchair, and they wheeled him in, and he said, no, I want a regular chair, so they brought the chair back out and helped him in into the chair, and uh, he had the Governor General on one side, the Prime Minister on the other side, and uh, various delegations came through and had, had a chance to meet the Pope. They, it was very interesting to see the Indigenous delegations stop and visit with the Governor General for a few minutes before moving on to the Pope and then spend uh, even more time with the Pope. So nobody going through the line seemed to be rushed. Uh, the clergy that went through at the end, just as part of the welcoming party, went through rather quickly, but I think they were spending the rest of the day with him. Uh, he motorcaded uh, into Edmonton and went to St. Joseph's Seminary, which is uh, part of the Catholic Archdiocese uh, compound in South Edmonton, and he um, stayed there for the day just to just to rest up and get ready for these busy days he has ahead. Well, let's talk about the busy days starting with today. What's on the agenda today, Eileen? Well, today he's got a couple of events. Uh, we're on the, the, as I said, the media bus right now heading out to Masquachis, which is south of Hobima, or excuse me, which is south of Wetaskiwin. And it uh, is a, an area where one of the largest residential schools in Canada was. 
this will be the first time we will actually be hearing the Pope speak, and that will start around uh, 10.15 this morning. He will be um, making what's expected to be an apology to uh, the First Nations people, the Indigenous people, because of um, the Catholic behaviors and the operation of many of the residential schools across the country. Alberta had 25 residential schools. 16 of them were operated by the Catholic Church. And then after um, Masquachis, and before he, he starts his address, he'll be going around the town and seeing various things, including a memorial uh, on the site of where the residential school there was, was located. Um, he'll be visit, visit, visiting a cemetery as well, and he will then um, make his address in uh, Masqua Park, which is where I'll be. Um, and he'll be speaking in Spanish. He'll have translators. I'm not sure how they're going to handle the multiple um, language translation um, all in one public space, but uh, we'll, we'll let you know how that, uh, how that went. And then this afternoon, uh, he'll be at Sacred Heart Church of the First Peoples in Edmonton. It'll be a smaller gathering. It'll be a private gathering. And again, he'll be meeting with residential school survivors and, and speaking to them and, and expressing his sorrow. Um, Pope Francis has, has referred to this whole event as the um, pilgrimage of penance that, uh, that he is doing, and it, it's with a very somber tone. Eileen, can you tell us, you know, what you've seen and heard so far? How has the Pope been received by the Indigenous community at this point? Well, when we came back in from the airport yesterday, there were quite a few people lined up on Gateway Boulevard. Not not a crowd, but just pockets of, of people. And, and of them, most of them were, were waving because they didn't know who was in the buses. They didn't know if we were, if the Pope was in this in this entourage or not. But they seemed happy. They seemed excited. Uh, there were a couple of people we saw that definitely had signs basically saying, we don't want your apology and and things like that. We, um so it was. It, it's a mix, but I think right now the the people in Masquachis are are among those who who called very very solemnly for the Pope to come here to make an apology on Canadian soil on Indigenous land, and that's what he is doing today. It sounds like a lot going on. Thanks for the update. Thanks for the details, Eileen. We appreciate it. No, Yo, you're very welcome. That is Eileen Bell, a Global News Edmonton anchor. I was, uh, wish we had more time with Eileen. She's obviously uh, doing a, a full tour You're explaining busy, yeah. what's happening to all the media outlets that she has the opportunity to uh, this morning to touch on the security aspect because on all accounts, it is completely locked down and something you and I've talked about, mm-hmm. particularly when it comes to road closures in and around the area. Uh, we've told airspace with, you know, flying drones and such, not not a possibility. Completely closed airspace, uh, water space, so yeah. anything, every, the roads, as you say, will be shut down. So if anybody's traveling the highways around that Muscogee's area, you will be shuttled elsewhere or yeah. you'll just be held off until it's finished it's, it's got to be tough to get around and yeah. i mean this is something that yeah we knew was coming uh but not exactly hasn't been on the calendar for months and months for example so maybe you had some long laid plans mm. that you'd have to switch up i got this uh facebook uh, not message but i'm reading on facebook uh, a gentleman i'm friends with named todd sainsbury uh, he lives in the red deer region 
says a very long line of school buses and private coaches southbound on QE2. Interesting. I lost count at 149. Wow, really? 149 that he was counting. Well, we know there's a lot of local media, but there's a lot of international media, as Eileen talked about, traveling with the Pope. It's a huge entourage, so I'm sure the media is in the school buses. The more important people would be in the nice coaches, but they're all going to be traveling to Muscatchie's with the, the Pope. Yeah. It's, well, a lot of these are, are because, of course, he, he is, uh, i got to give you context, he's coming from Red Deer toward Edmonton. Right. And southbound. So they're moving toward Muscatchie's. And a lot of the private coaches could be um, those people of the Catholic religion coming down as well, like charter. Yeah, very, so, very well, maybe. It's and, crazy. and we do know there that the the Alberta government, I believe, is who's footing the bill to make sure that a lot of the Indigenous people who are affected by the residential schools will be on site where the Pope is speaking and making the apology. So there are people who are being brought in from all around the province, and then everyone from outside of Alberta too, obviously, who wants to be here and hear his apology well, as well. Underscore. Now, that's a great point because you have to have these these seats saved. Can you imagine? Because, uh, you know, uh, John and Stephanie from Edmonton want to you know, get mm-hmm. close to the Pope that somebody misses out on a seat to one of these very important ceremonies. Exactly. So I think they're doing all the right things, uh, but that doesn't change the fact that it's going to be a bit of a logistical nightmare if you want to get anywhere. Hey, I just want to mention, too, she talked at the beginning about the flags on the plane. Yeah. When they, I saw them leaving Italy, and there were the two flags on the front, the nose of that airplane. I thought... Really? They're going to fly with... How could those possibly stay? But obviously they did because they landed with them still on. No It's fascinating to see. I guess you can do that. Yeah, I guess so. Firefighters have brought the wildfire just outside of Nordeg, Alberta, under control, and the evacuation advisory for the community has now been lifted. With details on the current wildfire situation in the province of Alberta, we're joined this morning by Travis Fairweather, Wildfire Information Officer for Alberta Agriculture, Forestry, and Rural Economic Development. Good morning to you, Travis. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, that's really good news, but I'm sure it's not, you know... We're not out of the woods yet. Oh, that's a terrible analogy, or a terrible. You know what I mean. I, things continue probably throughout the summer to, you know, just some, be something we have to watch for. Correct? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we were fortunate to get a, a little downtrend in the weather over the weekend, which helped with uh, a lot of these fires, like you mentioned, the one in Rocky Mountain House, as well as uh, some of the ones up near Fort Chippewan. Uh, but we are expecting some hotter weather this week, and anytime we see that that hot and dry conditions, that's certainly conditions for wildfires to start. How does this compare, uh, Travis, to the other fires that are currently active in the province or just on the other side of the border? Uh, yeah, like right now we have about uh, 34 wildfires in the province. Uh, fortunately, only two of them are out of control right now. Uh, 15 are being held and, and 17 are under control. Um, and these numbers, um, they're pretty typical for this time of year. We are a bit lower than our five-year average. We've had about uh, 680 fires this year. And our, our five-year average is about 800. So we are a little bit lower, but um, a lot of that has to do with the rain we were seeing kind of in in uh, May and, and June there. Yeah, so the early rain did help because, it, you know, it seems the last couple of years we've really we've had smoke that we've had to deal with here in Calgary because of the fires that are burning out there. So did that rain really, really helped at the beginning of the season? Do we Do we suspect that that will continue right through the summer, though? Uh, it's always difficult to say that. Yeah, it definitely helped in, in the spring, but yeah, like I mentioned, we're we're starting to see some of that hot, dry weather, and and that's definitely bringing up that wildfire hazard. 
you know, in your line of work, obviously we're at the point now where it's active. We're in the thick of things here in the province. Uh, but what would you say to people out there who are thinking they can't do a thing? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking for some kind of a, a safety message when it comes to being out in our woods. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, last year, about 67% of wildfires were caused by human activity. So we always like to remind people anytime you're out in the forest, just use a little extra caution out there, a little common sense, especially when having campfires or using off-highway vehicles. Uh, campfires especially, never leave them unattended. Always make sure they're fully extinguished before leaving your campsite. And we always say you can do that quite easily. Just soak it, stir it, soak it again. Uh, make sure those coals are cool to the touch. And then off-highway vehicles, you know, it doesn't take much. Just stop every once in a while. Make sure there's no debris built up in those hot areas, especially around the engine and the exhaust. Travis, when you say, for example, this fire near Nordeg is under control, what, what does that actually mean, under control? Obviously, it's not out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the actual classification right now is being held, um, which does mean it's not expected to grow beyond pre-established boundaries. Um, and, and so what that just means is they're not expecting the perimeter of the fire to grow, but there's still going to be smoke. There's still going to be hot areas within the fire. And this is really when the, the hard work begins. This is when the firefighters have to get in there, um, boots on the ground, you know, digging deep into the soil, finding all those hot areas. Uh, just really labor-intensive work out there. Can you help us out with any, uh, uh, the, well, I guess, best area to get information with such a changing situation that we, uh, you know, talk about with, when wildfires are in the region as far as maybe I'm traveling out there or if I live in the area? Is there a website or an app that people can really get the most up-to-date info? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, people can always check out wildfire.alberta.ca. There's also the Alberta Wildfire app for Android and uh, Apple devices as well as albertafirebans.ca and the Alberta Firebans app. That'll just show people areas where there might be fire restrictions or fire bans. What if I'm out hiking, Travis, and I spot something and I want to report it immediately? What's the best route for that? Yeah, absolutely. Always call 310-FIRE. Uh, that'll get you right through to to an operator there who can uh, dispatch it to the, the closest office to that area. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time, Travis. We appreciate the update. Uh, thanks for having me. That is Travis Fairweather, a wildfire information officer. And, you know, good to hear that it's contained to the point of, you know, nobody's in danger mm-hmm. at this point. But the smoke, I think a lot of the times we forget the fact that we've had so many smoky summers in Alberta. We this, have. We've been very fortunate so far this year uh, through the efforts of, of Travis and his crew. But at the same time, as he did mention, 67% of wildfires in our province caused by humans. So we can do better. We can be better. And, you know, you should, everybody should load that phone number into their phones, 310 fire, because if you ever spot anything, the smoke or you're out and about and you see a small fire or something that just looks out of place, I would suspect that's a a great way to get in touch really quickly and get them on it before it can become something big and, and disastrous. in a recent study published in the New England Journal of Medicine, researchers found an experimental drug made tumors disappear in the trial participants. To discuss the research and what this could mean in the battle against cancer, we're joined this morning by Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. Good morning, Dr. J. Good morning. What do you get from this study? I mean, it's fascinating. Small study group for sure, but fascinating. Absolutely. This is a a future good news story. So it's nice to sometimes have good news stories. Now, it almost seems miraculous. So in this study, there was only 14 patients. So it was a very small study, but all of them, 100% of the patient had complete resolution of their cancer. 
which is which is remarkable and hence why this caught the attention of the news services. Well, this is incredible. I mean, it does sound like the breakthrough, uh, but, uh, you know, having said all that, when, when we look at where we are now with a study like this, how long, if you can give us kind of a snapshot, does it take for something like this to come to market and have confidence in it and that we can really fly with it? So this this one actually could come to market very quickly because it's already a drug that's being used. So the oddity here is that this was a drug used for endometrial cancer, so cancer of the lining of the uterus, um, and it's sort of... Uh, tricks the cancer uh, into not being able to produce a protein that stops our immune system from killing the cancer. So uh, what's experimental about this, typically this is not a chemotherapy, this is an immunotherapy. So it's basically helping our immune system uh, kill the cancer. So it was used in endometrial cancer with some success. They figured, why not try it in a colon cancer patient with this very particular genetic Lo and behold, they get this uh, home run kind of effect off it. And these patients, uh, they are now two years out, don't need any chemotherapy, no radiation, no surgery. uh, And it looks like this immunotherapy drug will do it all. So this may lead to the uh, future therapies in a lot of other cancers uh, using this kind of technology or even this particular drug. Where are we, Dr. J, in the, in the battle against cancer? I mean, I know that we've come a long way, but do you really, yeah. do you believe we'll ever get there and figure it out and, and be able to, to fight this horrible disease? Uh, well, the problem is cancer. Uh, you know, cancer is one word, but for a thousand different mm-hmm. conditions. So it's an umbrella term. Uh, and that's our problem. We we make breakthroughs like this in little breakthroughs all the time. There's uh, things being you know happening that are positive all the time, but there's just so many different variations, and each cancer is distinctly different from another cancer. So, you know, will we ever have that one massive breakthrough that covers all cancers? I doubt it. So it'll be much more individualized. I think the therapy uh, or the future of therapies will be very individual, where they'll look at the cancer, look at the individual, and have a very customized therapy for that person. And that might be the breakthrough in cancer, where each person gets their own very, very unique cocktail, which seems to work the best for them because of their genetics, their cancer, et cetera. But that's pretty futuristic. Yeah. Yeah, incredible. Uh, thanks so much for uh, shedding some light on this, and uh, we'd like to have hope. We like the good news stories you can bring us. Thanks, Dr. J. Absolutely. That's Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. Your most difficult conversations can actually be a lot easier than you realize. To find out how, on this Motivational Monday, we're talking with Lou Diamond, professional speaker, podcaster, and author of the book, Speak Easy, Connect with Every Conversation. Good morning, Lou. Hey, good morning, guys. How's the weather up there in Calgary in this lovely summer? Hot and beautiful. Thank you. (laughs) Listen, you've talked with and spoken with some of the biggest companies, celebrities, and everyday people, frankly, to try and elevate their conversational competence. Can you explain what you mean by that, Lou? I think it's important to understand why we even have conversations in the first place. And at the end of the day, we all know this, every connection we make begins with a great conversation. Think about any relationship you've had in in your personal life and business, uh, even a sales meeting. It all starts with one conversation. And I think what's really interesting is that not every conversation connects. Not every chance we speak with someone, is that a good conversation, even a great one? And I thought about it and said, what if it was? What if we actually increased the way we have our conversations, what we need to do, and maybe more importantly, how we need to be? So we can be more competent in our conversations to make the connections we need so that we can connect, engage, and win 
every single time we have a chance to speak with another individual. Let's back up the train here uh, because, you know what, Lou, it sounds like you, you meet people and you think they're natural. They can tell stories. They can engage you. You think it's something that they were born with. Are you telling us that we can actually learn that art, so to speak? That is exactly what I'm telling you. And in fact, I'm telling you even more so. It isn't so much how much you, you speak. I mean, there are lots of people who are great at talking, like the two of you or myself. I host a podcast show and then I speak for a living. And that isn't necessarily what makes a great conversationalist. A lot of times it's how we listen. It's the questions we ask. Or maybe more importantly, we know the ingredients we need to bring and how we need to be as we enter that conversation. And that's coachable. So, yes, it is something you can work on so that you can become better at connecting and better at engaging with other individuals. Yeah, you know, when you say that, it makes me think I've always kind of believed like having a having a good conversation is a gift because you I think when you have a conversation with somebody you can recognize it and think, wow, that was like, they're just really good at sort of drawing me out, asking me questions uh, and, and the flow of a conversation, right? So it can be very, very powerful to, to know how to, to ask and to receive the answer and then to ask another question and, and not make it all about you, right? I'll even add a different layer to that. Not only could you consider a conversation to be a gift, I argue that every conversation we have is a gift. To, this is a very disconnected world that we're in. You know, we, we just had two and a half years of really not being in the same room with a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had virtual means and telephones and, and radio programs to connect with people and hear what they had to say. But let's make it clear that those conversations are priceless because that's the chance that you can have to, to learn. You give something of yourself and you receive something from the other person you're speaking with. So it is a gift. And we have to, and that's actually one of the key things we need to have is to have the appreciation, to appreciate that opportunity. That when we have a chance to connect with someone and have that conversation, oh my goodness, that's going to add to our world. It's going to add to their world. That's the way we have to go in. And if we do that, we're already on the path towards starting to connect with another individual because we're going in with a little bit more openness as opposed to just maybe the way we think things should be or maybe be a little bit uh, too talkative or just take up more of the oxygen in the room, which mm-hmm. we don't always want to do. <laughs> Speaking with Lou Diamond on this Motivational Monday, and I'm going to delve into your book, Speak Easy, Connect with Every Conversation. You've got some great examples of the different types of convos, and uh, you break down some of the finer points. So let's start with, for example, the icebreaker conversation. It is really fun, right? You know, when you think about that first time you have a conversation, it's actually the most difficult thing you have to do, right? So one of the things that I do is I like to think of it, the name Speakeasy is a little bit of a play also on the 100-year-old Speakeasies we used to go to, where they served up maybe some interesting mixtures and concoctions and drinks you could have. But instead of drinks, I call them conversational flights. So what if you brought three ounces of intentionality, two boosts of energy, one shot of gumption, a dash of nerve, and most importantly, you garnish with a smile, a welcoming smile. Think about that. If you come in with that type of energy, you want to go meet someone, you want to connect with somebody, and you, you just start off by, by telling your face that you're happy to be there. Mm-hmm. It's already going to get the conversation going, and it won't even matter what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So don't worry so much about what you speak about when you come in there. Just think about bringing these ingredients to the table, and that's how you're going to start introducing yourself. Um, I also have something that's called a team A, which is, you know, tell me about yourself. Uh, practice that. That's something you could work on, you know, a quick little bit about, you know, what you do, what you like, and where you're from, and that'll get things going. 
How about an uncomfortable conversation? Nobody likes that, but sometimes you just have to have it. You you refer to that as the 800-pound gorilla. It's, it's so true, right? You know, that un, that weird feeling, if you would, of when you walk in and you can feel like there's something wrong, a, an uncomfortable business meeting or maybe a personal situation that can be weird. Well, well here's the reality. Recognize immediately and address that 800-pound gorilla. Uh, I'd like to say it's three ounces of tension, one shot of lump in your throat, a sprinkle of butterflies, and pair with four cup chaser of just deal with it. Deal with it right away. Mm-hmm. Get it out of the way. And once you do that, you can then start getting to the important matters that are there because if you don't address that 800-pound gorilla and you try and dance and walk on eggshells when you're doing it, it's always going to change the, the, the mode of where the room is in, and you're probably not going to make the connection you set out to make in that conversation. Another one that's uh, incredibly inco- uncomfortable for the most part is the conversations surrounding money, cash conversations. Can you tell us how we approach those? So it's funny you say that you feel it's a real uncomfortable one. I think that's actually part of our problem is because we always go in thinking, well, how much am I worth? Right. It's always that's the issue about whether how much I should get paid for something or if you want to sell your services. We feel uncomfortable when we're putting a price tag on what we're bringing to the table. The way I like to to share this is it's all about the value. Put the value forward. Three cups of value, one ounce of judgment, a splash of discomfort Hmm. and a pinch of shame. And most importantly, (laughs) sense of worth. If you put that first and then the price will come for it. Tell all the things you're going to bring to the table, all the things you're going to do or if it's your job. Maybe what were the things you accomplished this past year, this quarter? List all those out. You'll start adding to a really long list that probably shows that you not only you're worth your value, but you're worth more. I love that. Okay, let's wrap with the virtual conversation. It's something we've had a lot more of through the past couple of years and likely isn't <laughs> going away completely in the near future. So how best do we do that? I call it the boom, boom, zoom room, mostly because it's a fun sounding name. <laughs> but if you think about those virtual conversations, there is a wall between you. You're not 3D. You're not in the room. And you lose the feeling of the energy that you have when you are in the same room with, with another individual. So you really have to bring a lot more energy into the, the Zoom conversation. Ways you can do that is you can actually stand up, kind of move around, create more energy so that there's actually more of a presence. Come in with that same sense of gratitude I talked about earlier, a lot of honesty, and give an extra dose of extra attention pierce that little screen and that camera you got to get through so that you can make the connection in the Zoom room. So raise that energy, and that's uh, how that Boom Boom Zoom room has more Boom Boom in it. (laughs) Very, very good stuff. And, uh, of course, thank you for the conversation. Where can we get your book just before we let you go, Lou? Yeah, speakeasybook.com. Real easy. Just head over there. You can pre-order it today. And uh, it goes live, and you'll get it in your hands um, on September 27th. But pre-order today, speakeasybook.com. Excellent. We very much appreciate you joining us on Motivational Monday. You take care. Truly a pleasure. That is, of course, Lou Diamond on Motivational Monday. And the book, you want to pick it up? Speak easy. Connect with every conversation. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.